One of the hardest things in life is to let go. Perhaps you're learning to swim and there's that point where you have to take the armbands off and go for it and swim without them. Or perhaps you've been learning to drive and there comes that point of time when you've passed your driving test, you get into the car and there's just you there and you've got to let go. You've got to give it a go and see what driving on your own is like. Or if you're a musician, you've learnt a piece of music or a song, but you've learnt it with the music and then you decide to put the music away and see what happens without it. Letting go is something we have to do in all kinds of different areas of life. But actually, it's sometimes the most difficult thing to do in what we might call our inner life or personal life or emotional life. I wonder how often we spend time replaying events in our mind, conversations, things that we've done, and just wishing that we could press the rewind button and give it another go. We want to let go of what has happened, but it's so difficult. Or we hold on to things for for many years that perhaps somebody has said to us that have hurt us deeply. And again, we find it so difficult to let go. Or perhaps we find ourselves living under the expectation, unrealistic expectation of other people. It might be our boss at work, it might be a friend, it might be a family member. And again, we find it so hard to let go of those things. In Mark chapter 2, we find ourselves encountering actually what is a really unusual and rather strange scene. The the crowds are now gathering around Jesus. Jesus is becoming very famous and people are gathering to see him. And he's back in Capernaum and he's in this home and he's preaching and he's teaching to all the crowds that have gathered. And he's in a room and the room is jam-packed full of people. Now, over the last 10 months, obviously, we, we have lost that sense of being in a room full of people. But just take your imagination there for a moment. Imagine you're in quite a small space. The room is jam-packed. There's the buzz and the bustle and the heat of a room filled with people, standing room only, and Jesus is preaching. It's to this house that four men arrive, bringing with them another man who is paralyzed, and they're carrying him on a mat. Now, these men are men of faith, men who come with expectancy that Jesus will do something, that Jesus will change this man's reality. And these men are also men who are really determined. Since there is no room to get in the house through the normal way, they look for ingenious ways of getting to Jesus. Now, just imagine for a moment that this church building that I'm stood in is not just me and a couple of other people in the room, but actually it's heaving full of people. There's hundreds of people in there listening to a preacher in rapt attention. I did say you had to use your imagination. But supposing somebody wants to get into the room, supposing that they they want to bring somebody forward for prayer, but they can't get in through the doors, the the building is too full. And supposing they go and decide to climb on the roof and start knocking holes in it, we would think, well, that is a bit odd, a bit of a strange thing to do. It's equally as strange in Jesus' day. This is not a normal situation that Jesus finds himself in. Just to add a little bit of context here, if you look on your screen now, you'll see a picture of the kind of house that Jesus may have been in, and it might have had a flat roof, possibly stairs going up the side, and you would have been able to dig through the roof quite easily. It would have been made of sort of mud-based plaster, bits of straw, bits of wood, but it would have created a load of mess falling down on Jesus and the crowd beneath. So these men, digging through, they managed to dig a hole big enough to lower the man down, and he's lowered to the feet of Jesus. Now Jesus sees that here are men of faith. 
Here are men who have a hope for the paralyzed man. Now, from our previous encounters so far with Jesus in Mark's gospel, probably what we would expect, and I think certainly what those first readers of the gospel would expect, is that Jesus would perform another miracle. We've seen him heal already. Surely this is what is going to happen here. Now, it does happen, as we heard in the reading. But before that happens, we hear verse 5. Son, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And it catches us out. Now, the word here, forgiven, if if we look at the the original meaning of that word, it simply means let go. Now, that doesn't make sense if we put it into an English sentence. So we have that word forgiven that gives the same kind of meaning. But what Jesus is saying is your sins have been let go. They are gone. You've been set free from them. Why does Jesus here proclaim that this man's sins are forgiven? when actually there is an obvious need for physical healing. Well, just to be very clear before we move on here, his paralysis is not the result of a specific sin. This is not what Jesus is talking about. But rather, he's talking about something that impacts every human being at a much deeper level. I don't know what you think your greatest need is today. Perhaps you you think that actually your, your greatest need is for healing from the Lord whether it's physical, emotional, whatever it is, and actually you're you're longing for God to break into your today reality and heal you. Perhaps you think your greatest need is something quite different. Perhaps you think you need a new job or a new house. Perhaps you think your greatest need is for human companionship and you'd like a new partner, or perhaps your, your, your need is just for some human company to get back out to life as normal. Perhaps you think your greatest need today is to go to Ikea. I don't know. Sometimes we can have different priorities. But the greatest need that this man has, the greatest need that actually every human being has, is to be forgiven. Because it's when we're forgiven that we are made new. It's forgiveness that enables us to have that restored relationship with God and will enable us to enter into his eternal kingdom fully restored, fully healed, and be with him forever. As the gospel unfolds, we find that Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross is for the forgiveness of sins. It's so that all our wrong attitudes, our wrong behavior, our wrong thoughts can be taken from us, and we can go free. We can be let go, and we can enter into the presence of God. We can know his hope in our hearts for this life, And we can know that restoration, that completeness in him for all eternity. One writer puts it like this. Forgiveness is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed and meets the greatest need. It costs the greatest price and it brings the greatest blessings and the most lasting results. Without God's forgiveness over us, we we cannot enter into that relationship with God. We cannot enter into the joy of eternity. So today, come to Jesus. That's the call. Come to Jesus. Come, as we saw two weeks ago, in repentance and faith, turning our way, turning our our back on our old ways and turning to Jesus, believing in what he says about forgiveness. And as we find forgiveness in Christ for ourselves, we're then called to live that out towards other people. We're forgiven so that we can forgive. As God's forgiven people, as having that new status, 
we are then called to enact what Jesus does. Yet that can be really tough. Forgiving one another can actually be really difficult. Paul says this in Ephesians 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. Just as God in Christ forgave you. As Jesus has done for us, so we're called to do for one another. I wonder today if you have problems letting go, forgiving other people. If you do, you are not alone. It's something I think every human being faces. There's a phrase, isn't there, that we sometimes hear branded around. It's the phrase, forgive and forget. Now, we can't blot out our memories. We can't forget the things that have happened to us. We don't have an on-off amnesia switch that just erases bits of our past. We aren't able to choose to forget. But we can follow Jesus' example and make choices in our life to forgive. To forgive, as we've already heard this morning, is to let go. To abdicate our rights, if you like, to those feelings of wanting to get back, wanting the worst for somebody and starting to want God's best for somebody. Not our best for somebody, that is a totally different issue. But wanting what God has for a person. Now sometimes that is relatively easy. In everyday life, we will come across situations where somebody who's close to us perhaps winds us up a bit, says something a bit out of turn, and we say sorry to one another, and quite easily it's forgotten and put into the past, and we forgive one another. But Jesus forgives everything in us, the small things and the great big things. And it's that that he calls us to model. You see, many of the problems that we find in our own lives, in our communities, and even in our nations, where things become really fraught and really dangerous, start out where there is no forgiveness. Now, on my own, on your own, forgiveness is really hard. But, you know, God has provided his Holy Spirit to us. He has enabled us to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus so that we have the power of the Spirit to start living in the way that Jesus wants us to live. So today, are there people that I've yet to forgive? Are there people that you've yet to forgive? And let's be really honest with ourselves here. Are there people you don't actually want to forgive? Are there people at the moment that actually you don't want God's best for them? In fact, you'd much rather that something worse happen to them. Forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness can be a battle. If today you are carrying the wounds through absolutely no fault of your own, of of hurt, of whatever form that somebody has done to you, sometimes to forgive and to move forward with that can take many years of support from Christian friends, from from trusted people, from uh, prayer ministry, whatever it might be. But however tentative, however stuttering in our start, can encourage us to take Jesus' words to move forward in forgiveness, to start the journey. Now, forgiveness is often a journey. It may be today that to take that first step is to say, Lord, would you help me to want to forgive? Or perhaps you're ready for a next step along that journey. Lord, help me to, um, to forgive. Help, help me to walk in those early stages of what it means to let go. Or perhaps you're a bit further down the road and you've forgiven somebody and you then think, well, actually, what does that mean practically? How do I work that out? 
Because sometimes when we have forgiven another person, or we've forgiven ourselves, it's good to tell that person that we've done it, or it's good to remind ourselves that we've forgiven ourselves. But other times, and I believe this is really important, it is okay just to do that with the Lord. Particularly if we're no longer in contact with somebody, or that's historical, or it's something that would just be too painful to revisit. We just need to pray for wisdom as to what God is calling us to do. Romans 12, verse 18, Paul says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. As far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me, be a person of peace. Be a person who lets things go, who forgives, because that is what Christ has done for us. One way that I can tell if I've not really forgiven somebody is that if a person is brought up in conversation or a situation is brought up and I start to feel those those sort of tension within me building and I start to get angry or even start to feel um, vengeance within me, then I realize actually I'm not at peace. I'm not letting it go. And it's that that I think for me compels me back to the feet of Jesus where I say, Lord, I need your help. I need your spirit. I need to start seeking you to be able to walk this forward in the way that you call me to. Back to the account very briefly. The teachers of the law don't like what Jesus says about your sins are forgiven. But in verse 7, they inadvertently say something that is really, really key. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Totally unknown to them, they actually here state that Jesus is God. Jesus is God alone. He is the one who has the authority to forgive our sins and give us a fresh start. But in his dialogue with them, Jesus confronts them. He asks them in verses 9 and 10, which is easier to say, pick up your mat and walk or forgive sins? Well, if you say to somebody, your sins are forgiven, there are no immediate visible signs that anything has changed. But actually, our eternity has changed. Our present heart reality has changed. To proclaim a miracle, well, everybody will be amazed. But that is a temporary sign of the coming kingdom. Whereas the forgiveness is that permanent one. But to the astonishment of everyone who's there, Jesus, having given this man forgiveness, says to him, take up your mat and walk. He does the both and, not the either or. And we find Jesus is filled with compassion for this man's today, but he's also passionate about this man's eternity. And this is what Jesus is like. This is what it means to follow Jesus, to be people of forgiveness. People who are concerned, yes, passionately with one another's todays, but also with eternity. So just three reflection points as we finish looking at this passage this morning. The first thing is this. Do we really know the reality of forgiveness in Christ? Have we experienced the joy of Jesus saying to us, you are let go, you are free? Secondly, have we got any unfinished business with God about forgiving someone else or maybe forgiving ourselves? If so, can I encourage us, no matter how tentative, no matter how small the steps we take, to go on that journey of forgiveness? And thirdly and finally, let's be people who give thanks to God for everything he has done in Christ. Thanking God that in him we are eternally and permanently forgiven. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are just overawed by your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. 
And today, I just want to pray for, for myself, for everybody who's watching this morning, that you will help us to follow you in this area. Lord, we know it's not easy, but we know you walk with us and you empower us by your Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we pray even now that you'll be guiding us and leading us and transforming us to be the forgiven people that you call us to be. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.